Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely brilliant. Hello, Jesse. Hi. <laughs> Howdy. So welcome to what is our second full episode. I'm very pleased for you to join us again. Uh, it's very nice to be here again, Jesse. Uh, it's nice to be here too, Al. Yeah. And uh, the plan is to get this one out sometime around the Feast of St. Sebastian. And that forms a nice little kernel for us to orbit around. Mm-hmm. If you orbit the kernels of nuts. Which, wh- why not? It's a peach pit around which to build our peach. Oh, nice. The, the grit in the oyster <laughs> Just, more. Yeah. Um, we'll be following the same model uh, as, as before. There will be certain prompts that are guiding us and... Certain ones for today include Rubius, uh, the geomantic figure, St. Sebastian, Bay, Ruby, Guland, which will also necessarily bring in a little bit of his correspondence with Morsegel. Mm-hmm. We have the hope of hitting upon Culpepper, but definitely uh, the Temperance card mm-hmm. and the Major Arcana, and perhaps some healing magics as well. We'll see where we go, yeah. which encompasses anti-healing um, health in general, yeah. like surrounding health. Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily healing, um, it could be unhealing. Right, right, right. Uh, healing to the one for the other. So, following this model, uh, if you're unfamiliar with how we work, please visit the blog site www.radiofreegolgotha.com. And as always, you'll find the annotated episode there with further reading, suggestions, and prompts for which you can send us millions of dollars or spam probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, either one, good to hear from you. I was thinking about a poll on uh, what exactly uh, our listeners will call themselves, whether it's Golgothans, Golgoths, Golgothites. They, I mean, they, they all have something to, to recommend them. So that'd be a nice poll to have. Golgoths. Okay. Sebastian. Sebastian. Seamless transition. Seamless transition. So, talking about that Sebastian. Oh, that Sebastian. You know, actually, it could be interesting to, to look at this, too, from uh, Rubius, as a, because it was the first thing it listed, too. Mm. And it is traditional with Rubius to cast it off if it's the first thing in the yes. discussion. Yes. So there's a kind of interesting thing there. So, so one isn't just meant to uh, cast away or ignore the, the geomantic chart, the shield that one's cast, if Rubius is uh, the first figure. One's meant to break the chart, to, to destroy it in some way and I like this a lot I think uh, there's something cool or useful about the answer not just being a signifier of deceit but that the figure is deceiving and that if it leads the chart then it leads you down a road of deceit mm-hmm. uh, it's been my experience working geomancy that that's the case uh, I've tried when it's come up first as in a chart, ignoring that rule and seeing what happened. And it's always told me exactly what I wanted to hear and entirely not what happened or how That's things ended up shaking demon out. demon one, then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, great for yeah, various forms of counterintelligence or screwing with people's divination. And you've talked about to the uh, the notion of the cup turned upside. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think that's that's what the 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 the, the glyph of it is if we we're going to call them all pictograms, especially if Albus is the cup aright, which is also the skull, and I like that notion very much. 
of the still water of the solitude and, and study and reflection of, of Albus against uh, the cup turned upside down of, of Rubius for cupping, for bloodletting, which is one of the few things that it's good for. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's going to demonstrate bloodshed, and mm-hmm. so if, if that bloodshed happens to be phlebotomy and in a, a safe medical context, then it can just about be a positive figure. And there is talk of it being good with ill and ill with good. The upturned cup in addition to the kind of suction action happening with cupping and, and pulling mm-hmm. things out, the toxins, just the idea of the chalice overturned and the blood of Christ spilled right. is an extremely potent thing that you have now wasted mm-hmm. what it was, that you're not drinking it and consuming it, but there is something else there. There is either an insatiable gluttony for it that you have to overturn the cup and let it pour out for your own needs, or just the idea of blood spilling. It invokes blood spill right. by its nature. I, I find its corresponding odu in Ifa interesting and you know again the normal caveat of I can speak to general about this and refer to published accounts of what the Odu is just so that no santeros or babalaos will come after me but Ika itself or Metalna in Dilogun is an Odu heavily associated with the Orisha Babaloye who is the deification of disease and this type of energy that is conflict it is it is usually the Orishas are forces of the right as remedies for the forces of the left and here you have the taking of a force of the left disease and making it an orisha which you can work with placate and um, actually bring about positive change so this notion of what disease is is also I'm very upset with um, this notion of what disease is is (laughs) 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 this notion of what disease is becomes interesting in the context of a holistic view as opposed to just ill health. If you are sad, you have a disease of sadness that can be... The remedy is a form of happiness. man in his healthy state will be drawing health and wealth and friendship and longevity and success to him because the channels are open, that the humors are in balance. Babaloya becomes this deification that we work with. In, in this Odu, there is a constant treachery that is possible. Mm. And disease itself being the king of the world, death... Death is going to get us all. It already rules the world. Right. Um, but the other king being disease. Ika deals with uh, conflict and treachery and accusations, flinging the tongue at, at people. It is on its bad manifestation, gossip for the sake of gossip, gossip for the sake of harming, um, trolling mm-hmm. manifests in a way in this in this Odu. Nick talks about this in his newest book, in the Ifa book, about uh, Ika manifesting with three oris. In one of the parables. So not just coming down with one destiny, but coming down with three that are in conflict with each other. And there is a permanent state of conflict that is happening with this as it comes. Well, that's horrible. So there are many stories about Babaloy there and other Odu. I think just the, the notion of how hard it is to deal with this energy. In fact, it's one of the quote-unquote forbidden Odu for a, a Santero to read. Mm. It is above 12 shells. It's 13 shells. And therefore high enough that you'd want to send your client to a Babalao in houses that, that work that way. But it certainly is a hot odu that is remedied by acting cool, bringing sweet things in through other deities. There's some lovely hammering going on that was not there when we started recording, that as soon as we start talking about <laughs> anything forbidden. <laughs> what do you think about the idea of reading? I'm, as I said before, I have a lot of time for reading geomantic figures by their elemental line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also a little bit sceptical of instantly calling uh, two dots passive and one dot active. Yeah. I like focused and dissipating. I mean, dissipating isn't the greatest term for it, but 
outward and inward, maybe, or towards the center and towards peripheries. Yeah, expansive and contractive. Yeah. And in that way, if I look at the primal manifestations of the the single lines and the, and the double lines mm-hmm. in it, that, you know, Old Dubai's one is Ogbe, which is the sun rising, and the east is the, is the guiding light. And the other one is the reception of the sun in the west. Mm-hmm. So there is an expansion and a contraction. There is a sending and a reception mm-hmm. that is happening there in its primal nature. So I don't know if... I guess this could be extended to active-passive, but I think that active-passive tends to limit our ideas about what that is, as opposed to predicating what is meant by those terms. Mm -hmm. Same thing limiting with masculine-feminine. With Rubius, what's active in it, if you look Uh, at it, is air. air. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, as far as disease and all these things, it's air that transmits um, in this huge way, historically, Mm -hmm. the arrows that fly through the air, if we're going to tie it shortly into Sebastian. But that Babalue himself is ultimately the hot winds that bring disease Mm. and personified in the dust devil and the spinning winds that the dry winds these hot disease laden winds that come miasma this tasmanian devil of disease Mm. that comes and bad as yeah and the mal de aire in spanish Mm. just this constant um which is i guess in a in a larger spanish view uh, which is common to indigenous view of mal de aire, seems to be both Mediterranean and indigenous in its ideas. I think it comes around anybody who's been around a swamp, mm. that there are foul smells emitted by certain things, and that since spiritus breath is something, that the air smelling like something is significant as something bad, mm-hmm. that the idea, at least in indigenous lore, that influences modern conceptions of, of things. If you leave the window open at night, the chance that mal de aire can come is and make you sick. It's not just as simple as nighttime diseases or a cold. It is the rotting soul, the liver soul, at least in like Mexican ideas, coming in through the window of a, a tree that is rotting, that that tree's enmity for humanity by its own nature. That soul carries that. And if that bad air mm-hmm. comes into you, you will be affected. It will cause ill health. And it's also the sorcerer's soul in Central America. So it is the soul. It doesn't leave the body until death, but sorcerers can start to manipulate that. Mm. So it's one of the things that foul breath, um, constant foul breath, or deeds that make a foul smell, sex, sex in general, is dirty, powerful, mm-hmm. but creates a, a miasma. It creates tlasoli in, in, in Nahuatl, but this um, energy that is bad air. Right, and that makes a lot of sense in terms of Rubius, I think... Especially because it's not the only figure that could signify, that could even that could signify a disease or the or the product of a disease. You know, if it's uh, if it's something that's causing a great deal of grief and sorrow, then clearly it's coming in tristicia. The issue, but the opposite is the sorrow there, right? Right, not right, the right. reddening itself, right? Right, not the reddening itself, not the not the not the symptoms of the thing, not the not the results of the thing, and also the idea of not just danger uh, of something that is, you know, confining. If we're talking kaka or, 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 or sorrowful, but of something that is unclean and unclean of the internal made external. Uh, in a way that is it, it is it is not good, and the idea what is of, on the inside should stay on the inside. Right, right, right. The idea of contagion itself, as well, having this this quality of like being uh, airborne, mm-hmm. and the idea of that which is airborne, and this notion of, I like it because it inverts so many of Aspirated. those. Aspirated, right? <laughs> inverts so many of those ideas about the air as elemental air of rationality and the intellect and discernment and taking things apart to its sanguine corollaries of being an excellent mixer of being in eucrasia being very affable very able to mix but also having this deeply lascivious uh, salubrious uh, tendency 
to being seedy, to being oily, to being greasy. All of these haptic figurative terms also work literally in terms of, of speaking about someone being overly familiar. And uh-huh. that idea of contagion being someone getting up in your space, mm-hmm. pouring at you, like well, mixing the, into you. The praise poems talking about Babaloi's nature disease is ultimately friend to no one. It strikes who it may. So this thing of like, let me invite the family over and while you're talking to the father in the hallway that the son is in the garden dying mm. um, at the hands of the same master. Right. And this is treachery, deception. Yeah. Um, that there is something interesting with Rubius. It is not Odui's feminine flow, mm. which comes up in, in other signs. Sure. Um, so it's not about natural red. It is always about unnatural red. And at best, you can control this for the sake of trying to get rid of it or remedy it with cooling, meaning let's take off that excess heat through a, a cupping or bloodletting mm-hmm. in that way. If you look at the practices surrounding the cult of Babaluaye, the idea of vaccination mm-hmm. that expose you to a little bit of something mm-hmm. so that we can get the maximum benefit in time. Mm-hmm. And this idea also used as a warfare. So the same priesthoods that had the scabs of s- smallpox victims could use it to inoculate you or to curse you. Mm-hmm. And it, similarly with Rubius of like, well, we do a little blood flow now so that it's not a lot of blood flow later. Right. It's, uh, it, it's also, uh, you know, if we're talking about inoculation and it's early Western European uh, context, it's, it's, a, it's a Paracelsian thing. Use those poisonous metals and other things. So it's very much in that. It's also the figure naturally associated with Scorpio. So you're also talking about the use of poisons, yeah. either for, for healing or harm. The thing with Scorpio, the mentality coming, especially promulgated by... Kind of golden dawn of transforming it into the eagle. Hmm. That, that this naturally malefic sign can be turning into something that is quite fundamentally there, but it must be transmuted by its nature. Hmm. Which ties into, uh, interestingly, to our discussion of the temperance card. Sebastian is a perfect saint for, for Rubius in the sense of twice martyred. Hmm. It's interesting that he's first pierced with arrows, which ironically still causes his death because he has to go to Diocletian and gets martyred all over again and thrown into the sewers. But you're beaten with a club. Mm. So first one was pierced and that didn't work and now it's internal bleeding is the way to go. Associated with the arrows that fly through the air, both of disease and gossip, um, as someone who can prevent against that or send it if you're working in the left-handed manner of, of kind of Iberian St. Lore. And oh, I had somewhere really brilliant that it was going to go with this and I, my brain farted. Um... I was wondering if spades are ever associated with arrows, because you've got spades and clubs then. Uh-huh. I don't know. Interesting. Well, clubs, the in Spanish card deck, you have coins, which is like diamonds. You have cups, which are like hearts. It's the tarot things. The bottles, the sticks, which are like... Batons. Yeah, yeah batons. And then the the swords, which are more like spades. The piercing nature of that is very interesting. I mean, part of it is that in Spanish cartomancy, despite what, you know, there's a lot of kind of influence from other schools, but in the older books, coins are the fire. Um, right, right. One, it's, not the earth s- one. And it's all, the whole world comes out of this wealth that is, you know, that is the thing that brings passion out, is this fighting for wealth. And that, um, you know, even the the coin, the first image on the on the card deck is that, coin with Caesar's face on it or whatever it is but it's also the image of, of Edessa the same coin that St. Jude holds who has the tongue of fire over his head Right, and that, that if you look in the Spanish cards there's actually a border around the top that gives you a clue as to what the 
card you're holding is so that you can just hold the number and not even expose the suits. There's actually oh. a line around the top, and the unbroken one is the coin. It's the first suit that you actually look at. It is traditionally the first one in the deck when it's ordered in the traditional ways, as opposed to modern tarot decks, which will list the swords first and some of them by reversing it and putting wands first, depending on whether they assign air or fire to those. But in Spanish, the coin is fire. Curiously, with uh, a lot of old-school Spanish cardamancy, it's sticks that show disease, and in an interesting way, uh, of the four of Balos, uh, it's the four posts of the bed. So you're going to be in bed for a reason. Could be sex, could be disease. Mm. And depending on how the other cards are around it, it shows the confinement, because the fours are always about a prison of some sort, or a confinement, or a binding. Yeah, yeah. And um, here you have the four posts of the bed. That's really cool, because that's um, Professor Porterfield's uh, his own uh, formulation of a cartomantic reading, all of the fours, which is a combination of a bunch of them uh, that are all in a deck of spells. But uh, yeah, all the fours in there are different beds, sick bed, marriage bed, mm-hmm. whore's bed. There's a lot of interesting overlap between all those things. Disease is there in a lot of them. It just depends on context. In Spanish cartomancy, it, it doesn't, the standalone thing doesn't really make sense because you, you, you pull out the whole deck every time. Mm. And even the, the woman I, that we've talked about before, uh, privately, uh, from Gadith that I met, that looks at all 40 in two geometric figures, which gives her two witnesses, but they're read. In, those two are not derived through a geometric chart, but rather the values of the cards and added up. So she has her, her lines there that gives her two witnesses, which then are added together to form a judge, which she's referencing the whole time she's looking at these things. And she called them by the Arabic names, which I found fascinating. Hmm. Um, but then in addition to the traditional associations, there were um, saints associated with each of these signs and different permutations and combinations. In the talking of geomantic figures, we're not just talking about traditional sand cutting or fingers in the ground geomancy. It becomes the figure has gained a momentum on its own where I don't necessarily, it's funny enough, I don't necessarily like the idea of drawing one card to, to form a figure. Mm. There's something nice about putting all 40 cards out and adding them up, which provides more influence from different sources. Geomancy is not just about geomancy. No, 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 no. And I think something about, to return to that weird extra rule about the first house should never be rubious, mm-hmm. I think there's something of getting at the spirit or spirits that live off or in that figure that they present themselves first, the f- first uh, answer, the fourth answer, the last mother, mm-hmm. is, is often looked at as a uh, as shorthand before you get to the uh, the, the, the court as, mm-hmm. you, as you're sorting through a full shield. So this idea that there are spirits that will pop up through the, the figures and through figures at particular points, I feel, gives a, an expression of that as well. We're not simply talking about a very specific form of divination. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a wider approach to divination as a whole and also, again, that porous line between what's sortilege and what's sorcery. And Rubius planetary description, Mars. Yeah, Mars underwater. Yeah. Um, it's a natural thing. The Scorpio ruling there has to be, but the and the reddening, the red planet. Mm-hmm. And some of the figures, you know, are, are fairly contested from different correspondence systems. Rubius is one of the ones that's that's more consistent. Uh, pretty much everyone says, "Yeah, that's mm. that's the Scorpio figure. Mm. That's where the sociopaths live." It is, and it's interesting the very huge kind of overlap between the different traditions. Um, there's obviously a large amount of overlap between. Uh, Islamic geomancy and uh, 
European geomancy because they, they are inheritances of a right. similar ancestor. And certainly, um, you can get into the debates about where Ifa originates and things like that, but the, there is certainly an influence of Aramo um, mm. uh, into what may have been a native system of, of divination into West Africa. And um, the overlap there that, again, Fidefasi, it is the first of the signs in shells that we have to say, no, we can't read you mm. by by Ifa. So it's an uh, interesting correspondence of like, this is the first thing that falls in the chart. No, 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 he's bad. <laughs> and I've heard Sam has a different theory about it, right? Doesn't he? I don't know. Maybe this is something to annotate. My memory of it is that it just signifies extreme mental health issues on the part of the client. Mm. Um, that if it's asking about certain topics, certain topics, yes, throw it out completely. But other topics, it signifies something about the client and it just means that the interpretation of it needs to be delivered in a very specific way and you can actually throw right. a chart on how to deliver the information or it's contained within right. certain things. Most of my ex- experiments with it have been my own um, issues and I've lied to myself or it has helped me deceive myself. <laughs> I haven't tried that for, for clients, but that would be interesting if it's less the figure lying and more the figure is telling you that the client is lying and based off the information they give you, which is again that diviner's yeah. uh, quandary because on the one hand I should know if they're lying but also I've been given a bunch of axioms of things that I'm not checking in the reading, mm-hmm. a bunch of principles of the way the situation is currently shaking out. That's where, I, when uh, on the, the rare occasions, that a, a figure or a chart or a reading doesn't seem to be going anywhere, mm-hmm. is that something to go over? Of like, now, do I understand this is, this is the aggressor in this case? This is, did you do anything to promote this? Or not necessarily to attack the client, but mm-hmm. to try and ascertain that the information that you have Based, I don't want to say assumptions, like you've, you know, not done due diligence, but that there may be more to it, mm-hmm. and there may be. It's still saying there is express falsehood or deceit going on, but yeah, it might not be anything as cosmological as the spirit of Rubius turns up and deceives you. It mm-hmm. might simply be saying this client, over some very specific stuff, is detached from reality. And in some way. It's always good to have the kind of variances of what that is, because if one of the signs means deception, mm. deception how? We have to parse that apart. It can't automatically be like mm. knee-jerk reaction. Throw the table in the air! Dismiss everything! Right. It's like the death card falling. Sometimes the death card means death. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't mean a physical death in that way. It's a, it's a metaphorical death. Right. Um, and it is, it is also not good when the death card loses its meaning of death. Mm-hmm. If you constantly turn it towards like, oh, it's a transition and this... Uh, but sometimes it's death. It's called the nameless arcana for a reason. It's called. Uh, <laughs> it's uncalled the nameless arcana for a reason. The idea of that madness or that detachment reminds me of the three drives that you get in some Ifa philosophy, mm-hmm. psychology. This notion of the. You, you, you know the terms for these, but the idea of not just having a, a drive to good character and a drive to bad character, mm-hmm. but also a drive to just batshit, as I understand. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's a literal translation of from the Yoruba. Yeah, right? yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and without getting into the technical jargon of things, I mean, this, it's an interesting thing of, again, it's, uh, there is a duality that's expressed in these kind of active-passive figures, but there is something in between, the movement between these things. And there you can kind of invoke the active-passive lines of, of, of I Ching. Right of the, the moving lines of, of of becoming something else there. I think with um, Ika presenting itself in three oris there mm-hmm. in, 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 is is an interesting thing, which is I do 
I think there's something when you talk about madness in this way, it is a madness. It's an air-based madness. It's an mm. intellectual. Mm-hmm. It is a, I have so many decisions and I have, I'm going to do these things. The revenge is plotted. These things are deliberate. It is a way of seeing the world that is twisted to the, the perceptions of this thing. On the negative side, there are other manifestations of this energy. Sure. But deception implies willingness or at least engaging in lie, mm. in the illusion, in a different way from um, confused. Mm. To to uh, compress thought, that that elemental airy sanguinity of sorts, into this kind of blade that just cuts, mm-hmm. that just makes the internal external. the aculeus of the scorpion itself. Yeah, yeah. That, that there is something inherently, and if we look at, at this the symbol of it, that if we're talking about uh, an expansiveness of air alone. That the expansiveness is only in air, that the others are contracting. Mm. Um, there is something interesting oh, to uh, that. Uh, the other way around. The expansiveness is... So, two, one, two, two. Hmm. It's interesting. So we're looking at it in different ways here. Because for me, the, the origin of one is not the contraction in it. It's the potential to move out. Ah. It's the light in the east that expands. Okay. Because, again, via or Ogbe mm-hmm. is the thing that's the sunrise. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the start. And that its opposite is the reception of this light pulling in is the sunset. Oh, okay. So the two lines are actually, to me, about it's what it's containing in the middle. Mm. It's the contraction and the okay. compression. So I'm looking at it in that way if, mm. if this... Now we're going to have to talk about the other way, too. Um, uh, welcome to our daily musings of, you see it that way? Oh, my God! <laughs> Expansiveness coming only from air, meaning air is what's expressing itself over, over searching. It's, it is the wind's that are coming here. It is the winds of thought. It is the overactiveness of air in the body of sanguine, which blood itself in exposed, aspirated. It, yeah. it is in the Paracelsian sense, the chaos that we move through. It's that medium that other things come. That's why the four corners of the earth are not earthy. Yes. They're not, they're not, they're not serially chthonic spirits that you're dealing with when you deal with the princes of the four corners uh-huh. of the earth. You're dealing with aerial spirits. And in this manner to tying it back to the owner of the broom, that he is the broom that cleanses. And what happens if you clean too fervently? You actually stir dust up. You must go methodically and slowly to contain what is there, or it will actually release all the things on the floor back into the air, which is an interesting way of positively working within that, that rubious thing of it must be handled delicately. Mm. Because if you look at these uh, geometric figures, geometric herms of, of these things, uh, if this is the air, air is active here and expanding, mm. um, Jupiterian sense expanding, expansive king of this of this sign. That what is different of the other signs when it's Tristitia or Leticia of top and bottom being active. Of what is it like when Earth is the only domineering expansive force, or what is it like when fire is the over-dominating expansive force, and, mm. and the corresponding things in there of. You know, comparing it to the other older, that, that Letizia, the, the, the rainbow, is Obara. The, the deity there is Shango, the fire deity, and the height of his kingship and the power of the tongue to inflict and all these things. So it's like, okay, gossip exists here, of course, but it's a different type. Mm. It's a different type than like marketplace gossip or just petty. There is a, the ability to rule is there, a fire to rule over everything and being the top versus the inverse. It's corresponding to Okana is where the world begins and starts with one that good and evil are here it's the start of everything it's the primal genetrix of like this is the earth in primal form hmm. birthing other things and you look it's like okay well we have the height and the rulership and the start the start of everything it's like it could be really bad or it could be really potential for something but potential but not 
a reward yet. And therefore, that uncertainty makes that potential unstable. It is not a guarantee. It's nice that that's the start. Nice. It's an interesting take on it being the start of things rather than it being the the ditch of depression. Of, no, it of, still of, is that. <laughs> right, right, right. Because, again, potential is not... Potential and possibility are not solidified. And therefore, that uncertainty in manifestation, it is the potential for, um, if you will, the infliction of a miscarried idea mm. or a, a literal miscarriage. Right. The pregnancy has started and there is a potential for life, but it is not alive yet. Mm. And that the world starts and ends with one, this impregnating of the ovum in that way. You cannot celebrate the potential you cannot reward the potential but you must nurture it hmm. and that gives its own prescriptions of like if we have to with ruby is kind of take the metaphor of the broom hmm. must be dealt with very delicately or you will stir up more shit and sometimes ooh, i swore for the first time on the show um <laughs> you have to examine the techniques there of sometimes it's not worth it to pick up the broom at all then because there's so much dust in the air that you can't... This is, this is where Rubius demands a destroyed chart. Mm. But you don't know that until you study it. And then already by its nature, this especially in ATRs, by even investigating the nature, you've already explored that energy from yourself and brought it into your life. Well, you have an image of the, the thing that you are describing. That's, that's what a chart is. Yeah. So this, you're into the notion of the, the talismanic chart. You're exactly. also into those same ideas that we, we, we talked a little bit about in uh, love magic or, or even of... Uh, an occult philosophical approach to love of getting an image of someone stuck in your eye. Yeah. Uh, you, you have this, this thing that can then draw obsessive that, that You are fascinating yourself, mm-hmm. binding yourself to the object of your desire. Mm-hmm. And this is a common thing in love magic, of course, that, you know, binding someone to you is handcuffs. You won't get away either. Right. It brings obsession in your own life. It's, you know, that, that lovely parlance in Spanish that esposa is a wife Las esposas, the plural of it, handcuffs. To even draw the figure itself and mm-hmm. to call its name out loud mm-hmm. starts to bring every time that's fallen in a reading for anybody or those, since we live, old do, since we live those signs that come out for us, Nita, that everyone who's lived under that Odu, under Ika, under Metanla, is being invoked when that reading happens. It's now there in the room and they are guiding you. They are. It was a very good silent sneeze. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Not possible. My brains would be out the back of my head right now. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Pulling in every time that thing has ever cropped up is fascinating. The agglutinating nature of that which is imaged or glyphed or called. A sigil of occurrences and a reference to the past study of these things. So when we look at Odu, people talk about it predicting the future. It is only predicting in the future in so much as it is cataloging the past. Mm-hmm. So if we look at it and go, you know, if I throw this ball at your face, <laughs> here's the ways this could manifest. It might be nothing. It might break your nose. It might destroy our friendship. But the ball is going to be, I'm going to throw it at your face. Like there is going to be a result and there's a predictable amount of results most likely as to how that's going to go. So you can tell the person to duck as to, look, the ball's going to be thrown at your face. Mm. So be prepared. And then you might be able to dodge it because you're paying attention to it. But it's a very simple, oversimplified metaphor. But the idea that you're studying the past to say, this is how this energy has turned out in in the past. 
So it is very likely that it will manifest this way in the future. It is not pure prophecy in the sense of, I've had a vision that you're going to meet a woman tomorrow at noon. She's going to be wearing a black skirt and there's gold trim on it. And she's going to extend her middle finger to you and give you $732 in pennies that will come out of a giant elephant flying overhead. May this happen to you. That's wonderful. But that is going into prophetic vision. Right. Whereas Odin will say, oh, there's a propensity for women to give money in this sign or, or men to argue about money. And depending on which, which expression of gender you are there in that moment, it will manifest in this way. Mm. Um, because the energy is around you. And this is how it is always carried. There's always money exchanged in this thing. Mm. Not that anything that's tied to Rubius um, or mm. Ika, but talking about the nature of divination itself. Yeah, it's good to have corollaries when we're talking about how over-speaking on a sign that brings so much negativity is not a good idea. Oh my god! <laughs> I've destroyed us all. And we, you know, starting the episode talking about a sign that is the first thing that would mm-hmm. <laughs> a chart should be cast out with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is interesting in talking about the remedy of these things, mm-hmm. of the, the heirs of disease with Sebastian is fascinating that the the pinpricking of plague becomes associated with saint sebastian and the black death itself um uh the buboes that rise the reddening of the skin the cups that Mm -hmm. arise these rings that that plague people and sebastian's even kind of twice martyred and there's additional lore all over the place as there often are in expressions of saint lore um locally inspired things either whether it's a a mask for another spirit or deity mm. or just a unique expression when this thing is introduced in the society, the value centers right. kind of add their own flavor to it. Right. Um, local seasoning. Um, and he's not alone either. One of the 14 holy helpers. Oh no, absolutely. Right, right. The, the, the 14 holy helpers, depending on, you know, if you're going for headache or toothache or, or these different things, but certainly against plague, mm. um, you know, his traditional description of patron of athletes is still there. But plague, which I, I find interesting that this itself is like an athlete, hmm. um, because the fittest will be the strongest, like the thing that is most trained. If a person's exposed to a disease over and over, they become immune to it, if a, hopefully, or if a disease is exposed to people over and over, it becomes more adaptive and succeeds, hmm. which is an interesting thing about practice and, and honing one's craft or skill. Exposure and contagion. In New Mexico in a lot of the kind of southwest United States and, and Mexican permutations of of St. Lord that happens, you get um, Doña Sebastiana, which is a female permutation of Sebastian as a plague god, if you will, a plague spirit, mm-hmm. which manifests as death. So a female skeletal figure, which is not dissimilar to Sotitz Muerte, now that there are shades of this. And this is not, this is not, New thought. This is this is. There are plenty of people. I, I know that um, uh, Andrew Chestnut talks about this on his blog site. There's an article written by David Metcalf on Dona Sebastiana on uh, SkeletonSaint.com. This is really interesting in terms of Sebastian, the name itself coming from Sebastos, well, the place probably, but that itself coming from that Greek for revered. Mm-hmm. or venerated so you have that idea of calling the nasty thing something nice mm-hmm. or something that shows your respect certainly there are two main forces in the colonizing world let's face it as far as whether it's a Franciscan or a Jesuit permutation of the faith that the Franciscans Francis Francis himself calls as Metcalf mentions in the, in the blog post if I remember that death is sister sister death and that Sebastian is a patron of 
the holy death, a good Christian death. You know, he's he's a product of that Diocletian epic where there's like it's the saint making persecution times of, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna make up a saint, it's a good time to say that they existed. But it, it was in the early days of the faith of like you get a turnaround in the fourth century, fifth century of. By the way, 100 years ago, you remember that horrible emperor that was around? He killed a whole bunch of us, and it gives people new vigor to kind of go forward. But it was also the solidification of the Gospels and the scriptures was happening around that time and the, and the very um, tenets of what Christianity was mm-hmm. encapsulated there. But if fast-forwarding of Sebastian becomes a death figure of both signifying the things coming at one, the sympathy for I'm being plagued by slander, I'm being plagued by things piercing my skin that literally bring blood to my skin of whether it's sickness or stress or anger that things are being thrown at me as Sebastian becomes a sympathetic saint. Yeah. And also, you know, not to state the obvious, but attached to a wooden pole or a tree. Yeah. Uh, so the, the Christ's analogies are there. Absolutely. As is dying twice. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be, of course, having to mention that the healing part, because St. Moore has to build its own momentum as to what it is that their patron is and the mysteries that come in and since he's been around so long that his tying to St. Irene is a thing and that in Irene is the one that healed him. And this use of Irene, at least in, in Spanish folk magic, breaking Irene, that in order to send someone, if you're using the left Sebastian insight into things I'm fascinated with, if you're using the left-handed Sebastian who is very difficult to deal with because you're dealing with disease now, the thing that sends slander, that sends ill health. In order to send ill health, you must break Irene so that she does not heal and assist Sebastian Hmm. in healing, the right-handed Sebastian in healing. And, you know, this is a longer topic, of course, this left-handed, right-handed saint lore that's kind of an underground of of Spanish ideas about saints. Um, One of the ways that I found helpful to think about it was not simply like in a planetary way so oh because the sun is light it also rules the absence of light mm-hmm. uh, you know because Sebastian rules healing he can therefore be used to uh, harm that doesn't necessarily make sense with a figure who is strictly speaking sat at the right hand of God uh-huh. encouraging people to come to the faith and enter the communion of saints yes. this doesn't really fit but what did fit for me was this notion of whence a saint is martyred all that is human and the worst of a human uh, has to go somewhere yes and just as the highest of them the the the, the most elevated parts of the the spirit and the soul and the uh, devotion crystallize into this figure that is canonized mm-hmm. in in some very explicit explicitly theurgic kind of manners so the the sediment of of a person with all of its hatreds and pettiness and uh, and especially you know, going through the the hardships of martyrdom itself, <laughs> that, that you know someone exposed to torture is not going to be the same tranquil, calm, compassionate person that that isn't. We we write the pain out in the saintly modification mm. of part of canonization is ignoring the deficits of the person. Right, and as investigation of the saint making process is modernized pre-congregation saints have it easy. We don't know their historical origins, and a lot of these were left off the official calendar after Vatican II. But the idea, if we look at Mother Teresa and the the potential there, the outrage of people of knowing what she was like in her personal life, it doesn't erase the the good, quote-unquote, good deeds she did. Mm. Um, And I don't say that as a a judgment thing. I'm literally... I'm trying to alleged good deeds. Let's let's use the, the the journalistic term. She did a lot of change, and she brought a lot of people to the faith, which is 
if you're looking at a saint as putting butts in the seats in this very market-based church economy, Mm -hmm. that is one thing Mm -hmm. when we look at modern saints because we know the dirt on them. (laughs) And it's a different thing that all her doubt and all these things that are coming in of like wrestling with the faith and and the the possible of like threat of apostasy, of abandoning the faith through the hardships of what proceeding to be a living saint was and the pressures of being that Mm -hmm. are all there. Yeah. It's uh, the dross is returned. It, it's it's right. a complete tincture right. of a person, if you will. Ah. That the the salt um, is perhaps the dead head is not burned. Mm. Um, so maybe it's not a complete tincture. But the the the, the salts are um, in this kind of. If you want to follow the chemical model, I guess with left handed, right handed saints, that it is up to the person to refine the salts for their own benefit. And we, you know, it it one of the biggest things. And dealing with Sebastian is a good example that if the right handed brings health and the left handed brings illness on a simplistic level because um, the right-handed could also bring victory over your enemies when pressured and the left-handed could um, help you triumph against an enemy from afar and that's, by the metaphor of the arrows. That's partly ties into Bay Mysteries which we'll hopefully yes. get at in a minute. But and, um, sticking on point. What? Us sticking on point? Uh, on point, arrows. Very good. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. Um, looking at this side of it that in right-handed, left-handed Saint Lord that you invoke the right which is the standard Saint first and then you bring in the left, and then you go back to the right, because as wonderfully power as these shadow images of humanity are, they are still shells. They are trapped in their specific rages and their specific doubts. And to invoke things in this way, go back to the side that will save your ass. Oh, it's, it's actually a pragmatic thing. It's not even a theological-based thing. of like, let's go back to the ways of the Mother Church. It is, do you want to just have open disease in your house. No. You bring in the power first of the right, you transfer the offering to the left without it touching the ground or setting foot in your house, you invoke the left and you bring it back to the right and set it down. So that the, to paraphrase Matthew, which anybody familiar with my writings, I constantly am quoting, you know, do not let the right hand know what the left hand is doing, which is the opposite of scripture, but in my purposes here of one hand has to feed the other mm. and we must take care of ourselves. So if you're invoking bad health, to send because of whatever reason, no judgment there. Magic is magic. For your own sake, invoke the right afterwards mm. to clear it out, which is just there. Mm. Okay, so Bay, as since you just mentioned it or not, it's not like a random segue. Um, <laughs> Seamless. Seem, yes. Bing. Uh, talk about Bay and it's working from afar. Then working from afar. Well, the idea of success is 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 kind of key, and I find this played out in some. Uh, specific cases of okay, working from afar. One of my favourite uh, things to do with bay is that idea of putting four bay leaves on the corner of a working on a table, which is meant to obscure the working. So this is a different kind of take on what success of the thing is. It isn't explicitly bolstering the the working by you know just adding a bunch of dragon's blood. Mm-hmm. Again, no judgment, but it isn't explicitly <laughs> about empowering the working so much as making sure that there aren't things that can get in its way, mm-hmm. making sure that people don't know about it. Sweetwood is bay. In the Enochian In the Enochian. I think it is. Yeah. Because uh, then you get the interesting... Obscuring the working is interesting when the table itself is made out of... Mm-hmm. Bay Laurel. Mm-hmm. Um, Daphne. Um, that's so interesting. I, it, the laurel wreath of victory, right? right? So there's this obvious thing there. It just It's the thing of like, okay, you get it in your pasta sauce. It can signify money or good good fortune. Or um, a wish. Or in, a wish. In, you in know, success in your wish. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's noted uh, chewing by Apollonian priestesses to induce vision and things like that there are various idols agrippa lists that are covered in bay um it's 
especially idols of Apollo and Hecate, I think. Yeah, the, the, well, the far, sh- the, the far shooters, the ones who work from afar. Mm-hmm. And it was funny, it's, as much of a solar energy as it kind of ties into something we talked about last time, of it is solar, but it's the sun in the underworld. Mm-hmm. Like, Bay is a primary necromantic mm-hmm. success, whether you're talking ATRs and, and Palo mm-hmm. or um, Kimbanda, this, this use of this plant specifically to give power to a spirit we're burying something under a bay tree. Right, and I think that's where the, where its invisibility stuff comes back in. Yeah, who's who's the one that wears a crown in the underworld? Yeah. Uh, the, the unseen one. Right, so I think that's dimension to it. The other one of its fabulous wishing powers and general success stuff is I think that it's the leaf that gets, um, in the beginning was the word, gets mm-hmm. that, that lovely John stuff put on it, which is itself metonymic of all word magic then you're having a passage whether that's ripped out of the bible or copied out or i think my favorite is the the idea of washing that page Uh and then using that water for things absolutely it's very you're talking to some good sympathy with uh spanish folk magic there the idea of bay being such a a european universal tree especially mediterranean ideally i'm talking here um I know in the Pyrenees and into Iberia that it is a substitute for palms, hmm. that bay is blessed hmm. in the church on Palm Sunday because where the palms come from, you can't just import them in ancient times. So this idea that bay, which is a natural thing, that burning those bay leaves invokes and cleanses the house in the same way that you would put palms around the entire house, hmm. bay, especially modern day in the Pyrenees and, and eastern Iberian Peninsula at least, of writing things on bay leaves and especially the bay leaves that are blessed on Palm Sunday on is a whole mm. other thing and that the ashes from that are reminders of Ash Wednesday and going into that thing of, of cooking with those things is a whole other form of magic which is a very folk Catholic way that like you know oil that's prayed to and given a rosary novena and then it finished on a saint's day the cooking oil of that now invokes the power of the saint and you don't need much past that you know those of us that make saint oils adding things in yes it's the power of novena and the power of the intercession but one of my teachers would strain all her oils and you barely saw a color change in those things and let's say a woman was having a husband who was beating her and the woman needed to escape you could do that for saint rita and cook with the olive oil that's just clear olive oil mm. for St. Rita in her own home, praying that her husband stop and that she is, has the access to leave. Um, St. Sebastian, similarly, in parts of Spain, is described as being tied to a bay tree, specifically. It grants him that kind of Apollonian far-shooting thing there, that's the overlaps that happen there, but that bay olive oil is not uncommon to put a few leaves in the, in the olive oil and then to use that to cook with grants success mm. and good health, which... Bay does have antiseptic qualities, mm. but it's still far past the material nature of it. There is an invocation of success and certain powers in the oil that we can use daily to light lamps with, right. as well as cook with, that it is not just, oh, let me put this bay leaf here as well. How does It's not just a special occasion thing you do on the weekends uh, every now and again. It's part of the quotidian effort of, of living one's life, of nurturing oneself, of, of nurturing other people in your house. Absolutely. Of, of, yeah, I, I, I love the idea of things being used in, in cooking and seeing the food ways of it, how those are expressed. And if you want to be exceptionally blasphemous, lubrication mm. for sex is a whole other use of these 
oils, um, saint oils, spirit oils, things like that, <laughs> that one could use certain uh, oils as lubrication to grant fertility, to prevent against fertility, to, if you're a sex magician, to to grant the wishes of what the greater intention is that you're both um, sexing it up for. Right, or, or um, offering sex as, as it's, that's the medium through which the spirit is offered. Which, of course, an arrow piercing the skin is, and it would be remiss to not mention that Sebastian is incredibly tied or rumored to be a patron of homosexuals mm-hmm. um, because of his own lovers, um, male lover, uh, who is an older general, um, and has been a figure of art films and, and fantasies, and because of the eroticism of St. Sebastian, just this bound, young, beautiful, athletic male who's being pierced by a phallic arrow. You know, Hopefully we can avoid the reddening that happens with that um, on a metaphoric level. It's all very interesting. The, the conquest of Bay that St. Sebastian, who is uh, in Brazil, can be uh, a zero sign. Mm. These deities of the forest, the hunter itself, but um, a sign with the arrows, the, the spiky bird topped with mm-hmm. the arrows coming out, the, the, the patron of, of plant healing and these other things, also signified by these things. Mm. And certain issues in Kimbanda are tied to this notion of St. Sebastian as being a dasmatas energy, a, a, a spirit of the wilds and of the woods doesn't quite necessarily segue into spirit-wise, yet it does, perhaps, <laughs> if we go into that which flies through the air, mm-hmm. at least from the Kimbanda side. <laughs> the only animal that truly flies, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. That truly flies, yeah. but doesn't glide. Meaning, yeah, because well, a bat flies. How is, how is flying defined? Uh, oh, now I have to look it up. <laughs> I'm just like stating a zoo books fact here, Al. Why are you making it difficult? But the, the bat itself tied intimately to, to, well, morcego just means bat. Mm-hmm. Murciago in Spanish, which is my favorite word because it contains all five vowels. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Mrs. Paniagua, in like first grade Spanish for pointing that out and then the fascination that ensued from there. Murciago, eshu, morcego, not manchego, for people that are projecting there. Um, cheese banda. Yeah, cheese, cheese banda. Um, is associated with Guland. Yeah, who is the Grimorian veteran spirit of causing and curing disease so very apt for us to speak to i was just thinking one of the, my, my favorite things i learned about bats recently was that they pollinate agave right they're, ah, they're intimately tied to the production of, of mezcal and, and tequila but then i started thinking about how i don't know the cactus i don't know much lore about cactus but it is a tree looking thing covered in spikes oh you mean like this agave that's sitting over here right, right. agave is the primary tool for bloodletting mm. so the tip on it so carry some in my wallet for offering blood to Mesoamerican permutations of spirits, whether that is Saint Lauren, there there is contestation of offering one's own blood to a spirit, which the idea of offering that which sustains you back to the forces which sustain you. Mm-hmm. Um, that it forms a personal, intimate connection. But that I know many La Muerte workers who pierce the the flesh with an agave needle, um, and that the blood is added to copal and then burnt. And the offering therefore is complete. But that the agave itself becomes aloe. Aloe has this memory of healing for the Spanish, and they bring aloe, but a lot of the prayers to aloe, it is proposed by many people that they're actually a remembrance of agave, which structurally looks similar. But agave is, you know, a, a 12 foot tall bush with extremely dangerous spikes that are coming off of it. And that if you look at the metaphors of this, that Mayuel, the, the deity of the agave plant, and Pulque, which becomes tequila, that in order to make tequila, to make mezcal, that you have a 16-year-old plant, which is probably 12 to 15 feet tall, and you chop off all of its leaves, all of the things that make the little 
stickers, um, and you find just the piña, the heart in the center, which looks like a pine apple when you're done, piña. And then they roast that and they mash that down, and the blood of that becomes f- first permutation is pulque, which smells a lot like semen. Um, I'm not just saying that because I'm, you know, um, love them. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because of, of weird. It, it is noted to smell like semen. It is a rotten smelling mm. um, thing. But then that when that is distilled, it becomes tequila mm. or mezcal. Um, tequila specifically from the blue agave and other mezcals can come from uh, and made in the state of tequila, mm-hmm. uh, much like a champagne thing. But other agaves can produce other mezcals. In addition to that, it's the provider of cloth that when you pull off the fibers that come from the leaves themselves was, we call it sisal in English, but the clothing was made from that. Mm-hmm. So the tilma of Juan Diego, um, that is the, the, the saint that received the Virgin Guadalupe's image, that is on agave cloth. That is on stuff that's made. It is, it is the primal mother that sustains. They can bring drunkenness and all these other things and heavily tied to the concepts of indulgence and uh, this, this permanent, um, not permanent, this, this earthly energy that can pollute as well as bring pleasure um, so a little bit is good. Too much means that venereal disease and dirtiness and disease come in because you have induced earth energy. So this obsession in Mexico, in indigenous Mexican things, sweeping becomes, and we go tie back to mm-hmm. the whole earth deities, which Babalue is, mm-hmm. of needing to control it, of looking at Mictlan Sihuac and Santisma Muerte, Doña Sebastiana, as these forces which can be worked with, but to invoke them too much and not understand how to contain those forces that there is an emphasis especially in Mexican saint lore what is useful is a saint if it, if it works it's a saint if it doesn't it's not mm-hmm. it's deceiving mm. um, that's fascinating that which is strong enough or, or allowed by God to do miraculous or even just very useful things if I can ask because I'm familiar with Gamora Verum, but your experience with it is far supersedes mine um, my experience is more with my experience is more with Eshimor Sebo um, with Guland how is it that he affects what is the transaction of health that he is doing here some of the the things that I'm most familiar with with Guland has been the idea that he is he governs not just the sending uh, of disease or the sending of, of, of health uh, I can't remember how it's it's exactly phrased it's why we have footnotes but what I found particularly useful if just to go off off workings is is not just you know wishing for someone to be cured but uh, diagnostics is something that he he, he seems to assist with I've uh, mm. to to boast I've had a client who was going from doctor to doctor and couldn't get a uh, even a diagnosis on what was wrong and so I, I did a, a working with Gouland involving Eyebright uh, mm. for, for that, that, that clarity and that wisdom. And that was successful. They got their, their diagnosis. Um, so I considered that a hit. Mm. Um, and I'm happy to take credit <laughs> for that. There is a, a strong sense of seeing and sight and the idea of the rays of the eyes, which I think we may have talked about as well so you and i have certainly talked about right. it but yeah, whether or not we've talked about it on record i have <laughs> but the yeah so there's a there's an idea of seeing the thing of seeing the disease uh there's also an element of and again is how much to pull what's personal or gained by pact 
There's an awful lot to do with spill it. Uh, one of the one of the spellings is Garland, along with Gallant, and I think there's an awful lot of floral mysteries there. I think if you look at the seal and scry the seal uh, in a particular way, on, on if it looks one way, then it looks like those. <laughs> think of those little goblin dudes in Labyrinth with the massive uh, helmets mm-hmm. and the and the, the pole arms and the running along. Mm-hmm. Looks like that. Looks like an overly armed uh, goblin knight. If, if, you, if you imagine it's facing the other way, mm-hmm. I get a, a much clearer idea of a, a bell figure on a horse, which is also what the Garland King looks like in an awful lot of old English folklore parades all over the place. Yeah, it's interesting when you say Garland instantly, I think of the association with bats, because, I mean, we've talked before, this, this bat-like thing does seem to, to come into... Garland, Guland. Yeah, and this was this was an issue when I was uh, again to mind my own diaries uh, in a probably <laughs> oversharing way, uh, moving to the states and becoming involved uh, with Kimbanda. I mean, to be clear, anything you say can and will be used against yeah, you. Yeah, entirely. Yeah, opinion. exactly. That's 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 <laughs> the notion. In trying to keep these things very very separate for a bunch of reasons that we could maybe go into at, at some other point. Uh, one of the things that became clear was the divination was showing that he now demanded things with bats on them mm-hmm. because that's what his counterpart had and he, and he, he wanted what the, the counterpart had which was in this case Bacardi uh, I had a similar experience, we talked about this too of like after becoming a thought of um, Morsego showing up and Morsego has a, a, a good role in my house, I wanted to honour this spirit that has been good to me buying these expensive cachaças and him constantly saying no, no and, or no, if you're going Portuguese, let me not do the Spanish here. And uh, what is wrong? And then, like, realizing maybe he wants clear rum. Oh, I have some Bacardi in the other room. And him being fascinated with, this is it! And why? <laughs> because there's a freaking bat on Bacardi. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily because it's better than cachaça or more valuable. It's, here is my drink! Right. Um, right. And here is sort it. of, you know, grinding up a bat and putting it in alcohol and doing all the other things to it. And that's, that's been my experience of working with uh, these, these kind of uh, Grimorian Verum spirits and, and some others. Is Maybe it's, it's my proclivity uh, that they're playing on, but that they are often interested in the, what's on the label of a thing as much as or more than what's, what's in well, the you thing. Know, you know me, what do I offer to the Queen of the Seven Crossroads? Yes, she likes whiskey, but Seagram Seven, which is Seven Crown Whiskey, mm-hmm. is going to be naturally a good drink. It's like, um, you know, a lot of root workers preferring to use Old Crow whiskey on their lodestones. There's mm-hmm. something about the crow itself. Right, right. Um, and, or, or uh, I find with this, with Garland, this notion of a garland is a garland is tacked. It doesn't touch the ground. It actually is tacked to the ceiling or to the the mantle and these other things draped similar to how a bat is, which is fascinating that if you look at the garland as the point of fixture and then the two things that are draping, scalloping off of it, mm-hmm. the valencing off of it, that this is like a bat wing, mm-hmm. um, which never would have gotten that visual without you saying garland. Um, Morsego certainly has a reputation for uh, provoking... Uh, disease or insanity, mm. and and I think part of this, um, again, the creature of the air. There's something to this. Is if we want to kind of in this strange perennial philosophy we're f- performing, which is more of an observational perennial philosophy of 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 juxtaposing these different topics the way we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm thinking about all these things of disease and the 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 bat and its immediate notion to to vampirism mm. and vampire bats, which 
redden the skin unnaturally and take your blood. So there's this tying back to rubies and all mm-hmm. these other things that that Morsego is um, heavily dealing with the equilibrium of things, the transfer of energies between these things, which is interesting because you have this thing that should be a land animal that can fly and take to the air. So there's already this movement of the airs, if you will, that are manipulated by Morsego. Mm. And you know, he he's a... Kunga crossroads and Dasalmas spirit at home in three of the kingdoms and this transfer of souls that is Dasalmas is that nature very heavily there the nature of death and the cemetery that is contained within the Kulunga and the crossroads just this intersection of what are you balancing mm. which he is one of the patrons of alchemy um, amongst Kimbana and, and, and even the, the origin myths that are described about him he himself has been calcined he was burned alive Hmm. and that the sulfur smell that comes with him is accompanied by burnt flesh or you still smell the burning flesh Hmm. when he manifests and this is part of it that he himself was an alchemist or a sorcerer that was given to the fire of transformation as his punishment to dust to repent Hmm. and this is interesting uh he's one of the ones he's one of the absent issues as we're calling he does like those bitter things as well as tobacco and whiskey and things like that but there's an indulgence there of um he, uh, the emphasis for Morsego especially um, uh, one thought that I had talked to um, had said you can give him almost anything but it has to be distilled hmm. that it's not a beer spirit hmm. it's refined it has to have gone through this process of distillation so there is this interesting thing there of alchemically going through that that, that a bat um, also communication wise is reliant on the air in a way that we can't even hear it's the unseen airs mm. it's using echolocation to find itself within this 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 way of things. Mm. Um, and also, similarly, the for Morsego, which I'd be curious to see your notion of it, but the kind of skin-leaping, uh, transformative, lycanthropic mysteries that are possible, taking on another form, that the animal that is on the ceiling is not bound to gravity anymore, that, that the skin-leaping possibility of rodent becomes bird. Mm. Um uh, is still there, and part of this is the kind of the lore that we hold with Dracula figure that he turns into a bat or a wolf or, or a flock of bats. That I really like. Yes. The idea of bursting into a flock of bats, which that new Dracula movie did so well. Oh yeah, like the, the, the giant flock of bats that can cause destruction. Right, it's right, right. Beautiful visually. So it's itself a kind of biblical plague of sorts. I mean, I mean <laughs> bats wasn't there, but the, the idea of not turning into one thing, but like uh, a, a host of them, and uh, yeah. The, the, the cohesion of them into a person again. Uh-huh. And the, these disparate elements that well, you have. It's Coagula right there. Exactly, That's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very Dispersal interesting. Dispersal into darkness. Hmm. Yes, it's very interesting. And of course, with the upside-down stuff, you have other kinds of root notions of, in doing so, to do it kind of solipsistically, the world is turned upside-down. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Morsego is, is always upright. Well, the bat is always upright, and that's interesting in terms of inverting what is current. So whether that's chaos inverting order or bringing this equilibrating force yeah, of spirit into something. and it's, it's interesting in his mounting hmm. that he can be incredibly playful when everybody's very serious and that the hero, you know, in the couple is very... All of a sudden, he flashes his claws and like he'll sneak up behind people and kind of do like a almost Nosferatu like a two dance. Yeah, Nosferatu dance, or even the kind of Arlecchino kind of a sneak, a sneak, a sneak that that Morsego will like come up behind people and other people are seeing him like with his claws and he'll pounce on someone and, and bite them and, and run away. Um, and he's incredibly playful. I mean, at the same time, as Nick talks about in the books, but just from personal experience of, he can be incredibly sadistic and um, 
just show incredible disregard for for life um, on the on the flip end of it, um, which is fascinating in that way, I suppose. Um, it's it, it's it's fascinating to get that sense of using blood and what is that there isn't the immediate jump in oh, a spirit associated with vampirism. This must be blood magic. But what is the blood representing? In this case, what yeah. is? I mean, it can also be a materia, but what is what is the the actual process going on? And it's a process of of life, and mm-hmm. it's it, it's the sadistic treatment of life. If we're going to permutate on all these things and the relationships between them again, if we're talking about the active principle of air, that Morsego again back flying through the air, but he is he's an intellectual issue. He's he's incredibly articulate and smart and, and behaves in a gentlemanly manner most of the time, mm. unless provoked. And as such, again, can, can impart this incredibly sorcerous and studied sorcery, not just instantaneous from my gut feelings, but a sorcery that is studied and applied in the moment through discipline, mm. that the bat goes home to roost, but goes out to do what it must at, at night. That's interesting, too, to me. This is intellectual. Contained with air is where mm-hmm. I'm leaping here. Mm-hmm. Um, that the razors of air itself, that which cuts through the air, is still there. Swiftness of words. Yeah. It's going to Garland, to Gulan. Past this notion of disease sending it forth. What, if you can, and again, I know there's, there's so much we can't talk about on a... Even just... Um, spirits are very personal, and our relationship with them is. So... Um, maybe setting myself up for if we can't talk about that. But uh, what contextually and historically, what do we know more about Gulan? Like, what is... We know a few things in terms of the, the spells and the features of appearance in various books of secrets. So the receipt books of particular workings with spirits. So there are a couple of things we know for sure from the record about Gulan that we can then engage with on our own personal practices. One of those is his place in the tools of the Verum. So Guland and Sergat turn up on the liming pot uh, for preparing the goat skin or the parchment. Mm-hmm. So this is a vessel in which a skin is interred and the, the hairs are removed from it through, through slaking it in lime. And there's various other processes as well involving river stones and things like that. He's present at the place where a tool is utilised to create the primary means of working the grimoire. It is a grimoire based on making pacts and on making the paper or the parchment or the hide to write that pact on. Mm. And as a result, I think he's core. He's core for for that system, uh, which uh, it even had a spirit joke to me that it's not Verum, it's Vellum. It's somewhere between Venom and and Vellum. So we have that element, clearly important to the particular grimoire he turns up in. He's also uh, particularly important to the grimoire of Honorius. He's the one of the versions of the spirit of Saturday in the, 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 the day spirits. So we know, uh, along with a couple of others, uh, Neberot is sometimes given as the ruler of Saturday, that he's also an important spirit for that when you have all that Saturnine mystery stuff going on. So Again, they all, bar Bechelt, who's always Friday, most of them have a tool or a chief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a there's a definite sense this is some kind of spirit of seniority. And finally, he's also paired with Sergat again, who's also in the same Agoldum guilds, 
They're in, he's under the same deputy. Gulland is with Serga and Morail in the Curse of the Nails uh, spell. Mm-hmm. So specifically uh, a, a harming and even death curse, which involves coffin nails and rather than foot track dirt, the, the imprint of the footprint of your foe itself and driving nails into that. So there's a sense of, of, uh, of nailing someone's spirit to where they were, so preventing them from flowing, which hmm. interests me. Uh, a sense of attacking someone, not through their souls, but through an image of their soul, an imprint of it, a relief of it, uh, that they may have no relief. Hmm. And I think this is part of the idea of what disease itself can be mm-hmm. a metaphor for. It is dis-ease. It is a, a falling into a bad mixture, a, a dyscrasia, a, mm-hmm. uh, a, a bad mix, uh, an ill-tempered state, mm-hmm. um, which going by all that Galenic isonomy and theory of equilibrium underlying not just good health, but, isonomy but is a goodness. Big word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. It might be referring to the... I learned the word for in Egyptian uh, art and hieroglyph of when two figures are, have the same uh, height, even if one of them's on a plinth, that mm. that, that reflects a, a, an equality of, or a parity of some sort. It's my theory that Verum has a bunch of stuff in it that is designed not just to make you powerful with unclean spirits, but that also, if worked well, will hopefully ensure that you don't send yourself balmy uh, in the process of doing I, I, I find that with a lot of the way in which the knives are made um, Mole's Blood and Pimpernel are both amongst other things and it, the, here is the connection via weather stuff storm magic that that's also the storms of epilepsy and other um, impairments of mental faculties mm-hmm. that they're, they're also expressly used for uh, calming or banishing madness mm-hmm. to return to that and I think there's something in that with Gouland curing, literally curing the uh, uh, the the parchment or the the hide that's one that one is using in the liming pot, along with Sergat, whose primary role is said to be the opening of locks. Uh, so we have the idea of the opening of the way mm-hmm. and the clearing of the uh, of obstacles, mm-hmm. uh, either by uh, rulership or by contrary. Naturally, being corresponded with the Portas and the Seven Kingdoms being opened through these doors, which access the powers I'm really resonating with what you're saying about um, the the light pot and this transformation of something into utility of pact making uh, Gimbada being itself a, a pact based system mm-hmm. and this relationship uh, that can be viewed in a reflexivity between even Eshu Lucifer Eshu Meloichi Eshu Morsego that there is this flow between all of them that if similarly that uh Morsego is the the mercury of it, that the air, the, the the breath, the word that comes out, that that main which is associated with the darkness, um, which is also the inking, mm. which is the eclipsing of the page that we've talked about in, in other times, of the pact itself, which is also sealed with Eshu Capapreta, black caped Eshu being a patron of O's and contracts that now the black cape of the ink is now on you. That this is all metaphor. This is not necessarily. There's no. Bible of Gimana that's saying this is what it is, but these spirits are associated with these things, and the Capapreta we know is a holder of oaths. And I like to look at it this way: that the signature is now bound; it is now a cloak that you wear, mm. that you march forward with that pact, armed with the black cape of that ink signature or the red cape, if you will, if it's blood. But 
this reflexivity, that, that more sego, not reflexivity, this flow between things, the mercury of something changing from animal to utility, that it is the living flesh upon which something is carved. And it brings up even the idea of like, demonic tattoos and, and kimanda tattoos of mm-hmm. offering one's own hide mm-hmm. that one is wearing to these spirits right. in this way. And the significance of animal hide versus vegetable hide. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference between using real parchment, which is a skin, which contained blood flow, which contained a heartbeat, and is a remnant of the soul, animal soul, which we share with animals, as opposed to a plant, which does not share in the animal soul there, and that, yes, we have reason and faculty to add, but this flow of what exactly that is, that more domesticated an animal is on this ancient model, that it shares more of a commonality with us, mm-hmm. because civilization is through beating us down, I guess. Um, and similarly, the other thing that you spurred of, um, the discussion of epilepsy as a, as a bat, in Latin America, of, oh, yeah? of the bat of the mind, hmm. because it is—it's the flapping of the wings, it's the fluttering about, yeah, right? um, and that uh, to take this and the associations with the the nighttime terrors of of, of a bat, and then the bringing of the Holy Spirit in—that you can turn this into something else. That the dove is the the antipode of of this expression. Bat as anti-dove, yeah, mm. and there's this kind of flash there, right? The bats are naturally associated with this nighttime mm-hmm. uh, spirits and therefore devil catonic stuff. Mm. And that the dove is, alchemically, is also interesting too. And esoterically, symbol right. of hope versus the symbol of terror. And the, the, the bat becomes this kind of affinity for night. Um, right, even if we look at, if we circle back to inks, the idea of bat blood and dove's blood. Yes. And how they play off each other. It all comes around. <laughs> Um, that was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, the the card, a natural segue again, flow, the mercury of something, naturally gives itself to the temperance card. Mm-hmm. Or art. Right. In the thought deck. I don't know how much, I mean, I feel like the mysteries we are of that card are already been explained in many ways, and this, this tempering between two things that... Right. What's interesting about it, as far as the symbolism on the card, is that it's one agent doing it. And a, 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 a Michael reference with the Yotevahi on the, the tetragrammaton on the breastplate and the symbol of fire and the sun almost like the doctor's helmet mm-hmm. um, above who is like God that you know in being created in the image of God which is shared in the Congolese creation myth too that our sharing in the ability to create things is our divine nature with God that we ourselves can put agents into the world is our essential similarity with God not necessarily form the, the, the image, the imagining of God, if you will, mm-hmm. um, is, is what shared be tellings of, of Bantu cosmology with, with the creation of man. But who is like God, Michael, transmuting these two things, balancing them out, mm-hmm. that which way is the liquid going? It, it could be going up. I mean, it's, it's assumed that it's going down into gravity, right. but then what do you do when you mix things? You then reverse the cups, and it's this constant negotiation of using a natural force, whether calcination or gravity in this circumstance, to mix things for you by combining ingredients. Right. Um, and the flow between two containers. Yeah. And controlling that, that flow, tempering, alloying, all of that good biz. Which the the water symbolism and the, by the river and the sun rising on the horizon again being in two worlds of the gloaming mm-hmm. itself that the, the, the card contains these mysteries and and I, I find it interesting that fourteen it's the the atu the, the the number associated with fourteen in modern decks of um, fourteen being a number of the hand count wise segments of the, segments of the, the, the of the of the digits digits um, of the fingers the and the thumb yeah, yeah. that uh, fourteen is a number of the hand and that 
how it, it almost is a symbol or an invitation in order to invite temperance. You must be active. It's an active card. It is fire. Fire rising. So I mean, there's this debate of like, is the sun setting or is it rising on the horizon? Well, mm-hmm. with fire there in the triangle of ascension, you would assume that the sun is rising. Right. That there's bringing something to light through recombination, through combination in general, and transmuting. Right. When things are brought together by the apprehension of grasp of the hand, yes. which is also in understanding, uh, hand and eye again, then something more than the sum of the parts is brought together, which is the whole coagula side of this. It's yes. not just brought together to watch how it slots back and then take it apart and then put it back together again like a uh, like a strange Edwardian mad scientist right. paradigm. I find it interesting too, if you're just going to go off of 14 being the number of the hand that two hands then becomes the a lunar reference, like mm. 28 granted 27 through 29, but that you have a month that that the work of the hands the, the the careful measuring of time and applying discipline and patience mm. to something, the measuring of time being the moon, that you achieve the work of the sun. This this the trans- transformation happens, rebirth happens. Right, right. Um, which is me fascina. Right, it's the halfway point that you use and then count back from to do a lunar cycle as well, yeah. which is what we find when they're fourteen or or even the fifteenth is the biggest notch mm. in. Bones, which are some of the earliest calendars we have, which are obviously moon calendars, mm-hmm. and which are probably carved by our foremothers. Month. Mm-hmm. Month. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting too that the transmutation, um, bringing in that lunar aspect and the the fire of God, the He who is like God, the the combating of evil, to then, if Michael is the one that guards against evil, what is he? taking the time away from that battle through temperance and maybe it's the same battle mm. um, there as well that combining and weaving together becomes the work in combating that which inhibits you right when the weave and the weft are actually fighting against each other they're strengthening the knot yeah. that keeps the fabric together yeah which is essential for uh, kimbanda as a concept right that this this balance that must be struck that you must turn the eyes the internal battle upon oneself in a warrior cult first or you will find nothing but battle outside of you because it is an impulse based in being a warrior mm. similarly with morsego this obsession this addiction that can happen that if you're not looking for other people necessarily to inflict this thing upon the impulse can be shared by inflicting it upon yourself, which I find interesting with the piercing, which is a, a very common thing, at least in uh, Latin American permutation. I'm saying it's the only place it exists, but the idea of the poison dart, the poison arrow, that hmm. if you do not know how to do those things, if you don't know how to take care of them, you will turn them on yourself. Injections and this battle with hmm. the poison and the blood that happens. Um, and there's similar... And the need to feed. The, yeah. The, the, um, and interestingly, going off on that, that every moment, of course, can nurture you or deplete you. And this is a perception choice. And there are times where you realize there is nothing feeding me here. I should leave. That's a choice to, like, I cannot fight this battle to make it nutritious, to make it, right. to feast upon it. There is, there's an imbalance here. And knowing when to leave so that you are not becoming Lich, Lich King, Lich, 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 Lich King. Lich. You're not becoming Lich King. Um, <laughs> Or a Litchfield or whatever whatever mm-hmm. we're going off of right now. So you don't fall in your own guano. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the heart in the jar that always got me about liches. <laughs> well, you've got to protect that which pumps the blood. Right. Very much. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. So if we're going into symbolism of the blood here, and reddening, and, you know, okay, fine, I would love to be like, oh, let's do bloodstone. We already did bloodstone. Um, but ruby, mm-hmm. which is a natural... <laughs> were you being clever and just saying ruby is ruby uh, but it, it's a fit for many of the things we're talking it's about it's a super fit right so it's um it's concerned with healing uh it's through through uh through red um the pre-modern notion of organ failure doesn't really exist uh, everything that goes wrong goes wrong because the your blood is doing bad things and that's what creates or or something is doing bad things in your blood and that's mm-hmm. what creates blockages uh, overwork or atrophy amongst the organs, even in to an extent, um, Paracelsian ideas about the archaeus of the the seven organs and linking them to the planets and bringing a focus back to organs. It's the blood that that, that keeps us healthy. The sanguine temperament is the least poisonous of them. It is the 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 most least worst bad. Um, <laughs> the first among evils, <laughs> right, right, right. Pretty much, just uh-huh. as the and just as melancholy is the the the, the worst of the the worst, mm-hmm. uh, cold and dry. So the the hot and moist is 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 the best because it's voluminous. The blood is so blood isn't as we said as I probably said before. The sanguine humor is contained within the blood. It's like the plasma of the blood. It isn't all blood. Hmm. which is why phlebotomy is done not just to void the sanguine humour but all the humours that the blood then carries but that means that blood, the the medium is the most voluminous uh, and that plentitude uh, has an awful lot of Jupiterian qualities anyway hmm. which we should also bear in mind is a planet of healing in, in Higromantia and yeah. elsewhere we look at the hours of it all of that is to say that rubies as uh, a stone blood-coloured, and in, I think, in a couple of the Historiola, are the blood of things shed, uh, in, in, in some texts. Yeah, that... Or tears. Right. That the, good, the tears of the Buddha. Right. And... Oh, tears of the Buddha is interesting. All right. In replenishing good blood, and in cleansing blood of impurity, mm-hmm. that it is a, a uh, healthful, that it, that, it, uh, that it arites us again, yeah. and specifically dissolves melancholy. Because of the Vedic lore, right, of, as king of precious. Stones. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's found right in the the medieval stuff as well. Lordly, the, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the king of stones, which is automatically a Jupiterian thing. Which is interesting by its nature. It's the redness of it. You would automatically assume Mars, of which it has the connections there too. But it is not. It's the crystalline blood. Mm. It is the the something that is now radiant and shining forth in the blood, not unnecessarily mm. blood flow. That is supernatural blood that is distilled into hard stones or tears of compassion or the blood sweat. Mm. Um, that uh, you know, it's not hard to to. The, there is some folk prayer that I believe is either colonial Mexican or, or early modern Spanish. Same difference, I guess, of uh, the rubies being what Jesus sweat. That his mm. um, his sweat of blood in Gethsemane. Means that rubies are found there, and that you know, there's some some. It was probably Helen, of course, who went to Gethsemane and found the rubies in the soil, according to this this lore, because she finds everything. But rubies themselves, 
yeah, warding off spirits of depression and antidote to melancholy. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah, it's interesting the the idea of tears uh, being the thing that forms them. I like that a lot. If we're going to do a cross-cultural analysis, uh, I was reading through the Peterborough Lapidary that uh, Francis Young uh, has put out, 15th mm-hmm. century uh, medieval book of magical stones, and it calls Ruby, uh, along with being king of stones, it is also like the water of waters. Mm. And it's said that um, water that has a ruby wetted in it, that's kind of steeped in it, is uh, good for curing animals mm-hmm. of uh, all of their sickness. The whole of their sickness is mm-hmm. how it's described, which is interesting as well, this idea of the whole or the part. That, that it um, cleanses the blood, mm. that, that uh, ruby-soaked water in its uh, restoring the blood to its natural ability, which I want to tie it all the way back to Rubius and Ikai and Babaluege, that, that if Babaluege disease is the thing that blow, boils the blood, the remedy is Oshun, that cools the blood, she who can cool with cool water, and the rivers of the body are the blood. Mm. So they're both contained in the blood very strongly, and the, the ruby is kind of playing on this, right, that there is this aggression that can form from the reddening, but it's used as a cure to restore proper blood flow mm-hmm. that which is inside stays inside that which is outside is cleansed mm-hmm. um and that if we need to channel off the river and through bloodletting we will do this mm-hmm. but otherwise even drinking the water itself is enough of a of a hint or a, enough of a mm-hmm. exposure to its medicine yeah the substance is made subtle and arises is 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 uh, airborne again mm-hmm. airborne within the body and rises to the head and this uh, hierarchy in the body of the, the head being better than the feet mm-hmm. is, is here played out in terms of the volatization of the humors and this being a very good thing it keeps blood to the uh, brain and gives us all of those rational airy qualities mm-hmm. and likewise the the sediment of of the 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 melancholic and the adust humors settles below and so you have this this parting of ways as well and again taking to the air being uh, seen as as the the beneficial action. It is interesting the um, you know the rubies in their use in the mosaics of stonework, uh, and I, I use that term to describe sculpture and other things that drops of martyr blood or drops of Jesus blood become rubies. And you think, oh, there's other red stones you could use, but ruby is a cooler nature. It invokes this kingly presence as opposed to garnet, which has a much heavier quality to mm-hmm. it, far more fire earth the charred earth of garnet as opposed to um, the kind of airy purified fire contained heat healing heat and if it's not merely the first of of the highest of stones which mm-hmm. is as we were saying for Jupiterian but if it's expressly the king mm-hmm. thereof then it's it, the, these wonder, wonderful solar qualities start becoming apparent as well and this is again it's used in, in, in grimoric stuff you use it or that or emeralds or, or bloodstones to, to repress the pride of yes. solar spirits um, which I, I don't think we need to go over again um, but that notion of getting Setting it a theme yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that notion of, uh, of, of, of engraving into it and using it as both kind of offering and materia but also as uh, a talisman for the operator as well and the idea of bringing in solar spirits not just because they are the highest or because they are the strongest but because they they bring inherently the incorruptibility uh, of a panacea yeah. it's it's not their it's not their corruption that makes them bad it's the fact that they're good at what they do mm-hmm. that makes one prideful it's the it's the mistaking of its 
um, know, this discussion of the more legions one has, the, the maintenance is more difficult, right? Just in, in truth, managing an, um, troops of 10,000 is very different from managing friends of five. And it takes a different skill set. Mm. And if one becomes good at this and administering these things, the sun ruling over the day is so bright that it blots out the stars. It does not mean the stars aren't still there and that the moon isn't there as well. Mm. Um, it just, we, we lose sight of what else is there in the basking of our own brilliance and, and the, the light bringers own mm. pride cometh before the fall thing here of apparently the pride just stays after the fall too. <laughs> um, because the pride inevitably the, the, the vice of it of leading it to regret um, once the, the destruction has happened or of the reclusiveness of no one understands me mm. and my problems are the most unique. I am the most humblest. <laughs> the mo- you know. This ideas of fall and sediment as well also kind of helps me circle back to the notion of Rubius as Mars underwater and all those putrefaction Scorpionic mysteries as well. You know, if we go back to the overturned cup, the chalice, the blood spilled, mm-hmm. that the Christ blood becomes mm-hmm. the ruby. Yeah, and there is there's a healing there. So it's interesting because I'm I'm very interested in this um, prescription proscription aspect of divination. It is inherently part of ATR divination, mm-hmm. and I, I'm always curious about its possible applications or parallel practices within European and Rubius. There, the ruby is a natural medicinal stone mm-hmm. of value, and I'm curious controlling of the reddening, keeping that which is inside, inside, keeping, taking out the impurities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things that if Rubius falls in the chart prominently, could you then let's drink some ruby water for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, drink some ruby water, maybe avoid uh, rough sex with strangers. Yeah. Um, maybe, yeah, generally avoid sharing needles. Uh, be, be aware of one's actual blood. And aware of the dangers of overthinking perhaps stilling the, the, the world the little whirlwind that is that is this reference in, in the the hot winds that blow that circle around itself, this self orbiting nature that, that Rubius can provide, this not having the clear path. Right. That like, looks that looks when a you know a dust devil or a tornado touches down, it looks like it's very it's this combination of it looking like it has agency in terms of like it, it has this emergent faculty of, of looking like it's picking particular places to go. You know, one house will be completely ruined. The one next to it will be untouched mm-hmm. because it's bouncing around. But it's the the dissipated or the the, the whirlwind of emotion through overthinking yeah. that, that doesn't give an emotional focus or a sense of a clear path, but rather lashing out uh, uh, these sporadic, bizarre angles. And it's interesting in the, especially in the side of prescription prescription, that these things are things that can also be permanently bonded to you, that you may have insight that part of your nature is tied to this sign. And therefore, knowing that, where can you go with that? That, mm-hmm. um, that it might be that ruby medicine might be a really important thing for you to reduce your own pride, to reduce your own self-orbiting little winds that, that cause destruction in those around you not necessarily you mm. but that um you know this is this comes up a lot in, in spirit work of um someone invoking spirits so i can handle it i can do it you might be able to but can the people around you here you have a young baby in the house should you be invoking these things right. it's not just a question of what you can handle but those around you and your containment of those things that you know if you know where the shit pile is you know where to step it around but if you just call a bunch of people in a room someone's going to step in it mm. and throw a bunch of darts into the air if, if you're the one throwing them you don't get hurt um, which in Rubius is, is here of, of hmm. you know if I'm casting the arrows I'm in control but 
if everyone's casting the arrows, like, God, look out. Right. So if this sign governs the month or the year or this type of thing, it's like, oh, it's a very different energy than if, if it shows up for me as regards to my situation. Who is the Rubius? Let's find out more. Mm-hmm. Who is who is that describing? My processes, which means I'm dust deviling out, that I'm that I'm bringing destruction with me, and, and, and can I subside that? What can mm. I do intellectually right. to change? Do, don't perseverate so much on one thought, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, reduction of of these things but also maybe it's someone else maybe it's just showing up to show you that the situation is something you need to walk away from maybe again cast the chart out this is not a good business venture for you Mm -hmm. versus if the remedy asked for and the sign that comes is rubius which of course is not is disallowing shield things but i'm talking in a a looser sense that the answer is rubius the 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 cure is found in rubius because Mm -hmm. on on an atr methodology of the sign that falls contains a description of what's going on as well as the remedy to make it better right. because we can invoke proscription prescription to mm-hmm. remedy it mm-hmm. the energy will manifest and we can guide it it's sometimes it literally is a feather on the breath of god that you're trying to prevent the feather from touching the ground but other times we can help it more Gosh, it is tricky mm. unleashing the arrows of poison and gossip are tricky mm. um, yeah piercing the flesh is tricky right you can bleed out and even in saying, you know, make sure you point your hatred and red mist in the right direction. If that's the best you can do out of that, that's still a pretty grim situation. Well, it becomes, isn't the... Is it Midas that tells his secrets to the ground? Who is it that... Hmm. Oh, I'm a really bad mythology right now. <laughs> um, I'll look it up and annotate it. But the idea of telling your secrets to a hole in the ground and burying them so no one can find out. It's like, if, that's, if you have to tell your secrets, mm-hmm. find the outlet. So that you don't tell the wrong person. Right, right. If um, it's going to show bloodshed, uh, make it make it good bloodshed. Yeah, you know, bloodletting, exactly, controlling right. it. Mm-hmm. How do we, if blood must flow, mm-hmm. how do we do it? Right. Um, and similarly, of uh, which even goes into like ideas of ritual sacrifice of if, if life must sustain life, how can we sanctify this and make it an intentional right. act as opposed to just doing to the point where now I'm starving and I will kill anything that comes in my path to feed myself. I'm really glad you raised ritual sacrifice because uh, that's, as you, you were saying, you know, uh, by the maths of a shield chart, you can't have a, a figure with seven points as a final judge answer. But in the way I throw uh, like two figures or uh, that I can, I, can, I can get whatever of the 16 as answers, often for me in, mm-hmm. in, in spirit work, uh, Rubius coming up will be, uh, you know, something must be offered. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to pour out booze usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or yeah, something is. It could. It can be. You know, danger. Just danger, distilled plant blood in right. a sense. So it's. It is in in the effort of this kind of, uh, again, imposing the kind of golden chain methodology. But here it makes sense that the effort put into a naturally occurring fermentation process and therefore distilling it, it is now solve et coagula. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and becomes yeah. more precious. Right, and and especially those kinds of fermentations that are also a kind of putrefaction. That and here it invokes the kind of. Um, the womb of time that the blood flows while I'm doing this distillation process and therefore it contains my blood in it the the humors that I created mm-hmm. doing it it contains the the planetary alignment of its birth and its first respiration yeah. and all these other things which is you know just looking at the complexity of, of what we do mm-hmm. um, there is never one thing that is one thing until it is named as one thing right I find with some of the not even Exp- expressly murdery kinds of spirits or, or particularly bloodlusty but uh, Rubius can often be a sign of uh, you know, a spirit really wanting to, 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 to get super stuck in to a thing 
the idea of, especially with these kind of unclean spirits, they have to be stirred and agitated and heated. And that's actually like, it's a sign of, uh, it's a sign of danger, but that's a sign of uh, the sharp blade that's then able to do stuff with. Go back to a poem that I read once online to try and find it, because I don't think it's from the original praise poetry, but it was someone's permutation of looking at Babalue as disease, who's associated with the leopard, right? The king's the king animal, the top of the food chain. Do not throw water at the leopard, for it will rake and claw at flesh, which we avoid water with Babalue for many things that the, the association with smallpox and the water burns is there. We use wine and cooling alcohol and uh, coconut water with him to appease him. Do not throw water at the leopard, for it will rake and claw at flesh, that with Rubius it can provoke that there is something there that it must be acknowledged for the danger that it is. It doesn't mean that you have to be on tiptoes, but there is a rule to contain. There are methods for containing and guiding this energy to a positive outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not to show a moral judgment on any of the signs or any of the Odu in this way. It is to show how they exist in the world. Again. And, and a blunt tool is sometimes more dangerous mm-hmm. than a sharp one. And that's, yeah, that's, that's not a value. Why with a spoon, cousin? <laughs> um, yeah. That said, I think with, with Rubius, unless it's someone who's obviously on an incredibly even keel in the whole, I would be more inclined, if we're talking proscriptions and prescriptions, to uh, invoke. Huh. It's opposite, counterpart, upside-downy version of Albus, mm-hmm. and to encourage... A client, most typically they encourage a client to um, drink less with less people and to devote some time to doing something they enjoy doing on their own uh, especially study hmm. so the the upright cup the yeah. the waters mm-hmm. the well we make you know you know, mm-hmm. this, this is, I was really quiet whispering, Jesse, the, the, the sacred, sacred waters, the herbal waters that from all things are born, all the implements, all the deities are born that, that, um, you know, we'll talk about all this another time, but I'm fascinated by that phrase constantly, that without leaves, there are no orisha, that the gods manifest through the blood of plants, mm-hmm. that this growing, that exposure to the seasons and the rain and the earth and the elements themselves, that these spirits and on a, on a cross-cultural level the planets express themselves through sympathies um, in nature that they do rain down upon our our particular plane and this mm-hmm. is how we come to understand them mm-hmm. that we will have no effect on jupiter itself but it has an effect on us and that we can condense and combine um recombine if mm-hmm. you will the gathering and we've you know whether it's through sympathy of planetary hour or day um, alone, also compared with um, sympathy of the plant itself to its essential nature being tied to a planetary mystery. Right. All fascinating to me. And this, um, yeah, truly, truly interesting. That's a pretty, we've covered. Yeah, I think we've done pretty, pretty damn we well. pat ourselves on the back a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, you know, the, the two of you that are listening out here... Um, Mom, thanks for listening. I was going to say, yeah. Um, <laughs> Mallory, thanks for listening. Um, if we're lucky. <laughs> if we're lucky. Um, but uh, I think we're going to, we'll start to, This is. we'll call this one, you know, stick the fork in it, stick yeah. the trident in it. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you 
again for listening and joining us on this second episode where um, I unapologetically st- say this. We are still finding our feet. Definitely. And we thank you for indulging us in mm-hmm. our... Um, what is honestly just a typical Wednesday afternoon uh, mm. in many ways yeah. of uh, uh, and trying to share it with, with people. Uh, again, we invite you to the conversation. Yeah, please come and check out the, the annotations if you're interested in any of the things that we briefly mentioned as an aside. We'll try and uh, make sure that everything gets some kind of explanation or explication or at least a, a point at a book that yeah. might do that. And likewise, following those through, if you and come up with a particular connection or a, a weird angle off these things, then we'd be very interested to hear that. With uh, this focus being on Sebastian, you know, I, I will take the opportunity to wish all listeners, um, past, present, and future, good health. May your arrows find their target. May you be safe from the onslaught of the <laughs> slings and arrows of outrageous the fortune. The slings, yes. May all your blood flow be bloodletting. Um, <laughs> and uh, rubies. Mm-hmm. May you cry a million rubies. Oh, okay, strangest exit for now. <laughs> um, for the father, nothing. Good day. I said good day. I said good day, <laughs> sir.